Chapter Twenty Four, Which. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Clarica. Eight Cousins by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter Twenty Four, Which. Uncle, I have discovered what girls are made for said rose the day after the reconciliation of archie and the prince well my dear what is it asked dr alec who was planking the deck as he called his daily promenade up and down the hall to take care of boys answered rose quite beaming with satisfaction as she spoke phoebe laughed when i told her and said she thought girls had better learn to take care of themselves first but that's because she hasn't got seven boy cousins as I have. She is right, nevertheless, Rosie, and so are you, for the two things go together, and in helping seven lads, you are unconsciously doing much to improve one lass, said Dr. Alec, stopping to nod and smile at the bright-faced figure, resting on the old bamboo chair after a lively game of battledore and shuttlecock, in place of a run which a storm prevented am i i'm glad of that but really uncle i do feel as if i must take care of the boys for they come to me in all sorts of troubles and ask advice and i like it so much only i don't always know what to do and i'm going to consult you privately and then surprise them with my wisdom all right my dear what's the first worry i see you have something on your little mind so come and tell uncle Rose put her arm in his, and, pacing to and fro, told him all about Charlie, asking what she could do to keep him straight and be a real sister to him. "'Could you make up your mind to go and stay with Aunt Clara a month?' asked the doctor when she ended. "'Yes, sir, but I shouldn't like it. Do you really want me to go?' "'The best cure for Charlie is a daily dose of rose-water, or rose-and-water, or rose-and-water.' "'Will you go and see that he takes it?' laughed Dr. Alec. "'You mean that if I'm there and try to make it pleasant, "'he will stay at home and keep out of mischief?' "'Exactly.' "'But could I make it pleasant? "'He would want the boys.' "'No danger but he'd have the boys, "'for they swarm after you like bees after their queen. "'Haven't you found that out?' "'Aunt Plan often says they never used to be here half so much,' before I came, but I never thought I made the difference. It seemed so natural to have them round. Little Modesty doesn't know what a magnet she is, but she will find it out some day, and the doctor softly stroked the cheek that had grown rosy with pleasure at the thought of being so much loved. Now you see, if I move the magnet to Aunt Clara's, the lads will go there as sure as iron to steel, and Charlie will be so happy at home he won't care for these mischievous mates of his, I hope, added the doctor, well knowing how hard it was to wean a seventeen-year-old boy from his first taste of what is called seeing life, which, alas, often ends in seeing death. I'll go, uncle, right away, and Clara is always asking me, and will be glad to get me. I shall have to dress and dine late, and see lots of company, and be very fashionable, but I'll try not to let it hurt me, and if I get in a puzzle or worried about anything, 
I can run to you, answered Rose, goodwill conquering timidity. So it was decided, and without saying much about the real reason for this visit, Rose was transplanted to Aunt Clara's, feeling that she had a work to do, and very eager to do it well. Dr. Alec was right about the bees, for the boys did follow their queen, and astonished Mrs. Clara by their sudden assiduity in making calls, dropping into dinner, and getting up evening frolics. Charlie was a devoted host, and tried to show his gratitude by being very kind to his little sister, for he guessed why she came, and his heart was touched by her artless endeavors to help him be good. Rose often longed to be back in the old house with the simpler pleasures and more useful duties of life there, but having made up her mind, in spite of Phoebe, that girls were made to take care of boys, her motherly little soul found much to enjoy in the new task she had undertaken. It was a pretty sight to see the one earnest, sweet-faced girl among the flock of tall lads, trying to understand, to help and please them, with a patient affection that worked many a small miracle unperceived. Slang, rough manners, and careless habits were banished or bettered by the presence of a little gentlewoman, and all the manly virtues cropping up were encouraged by the hearty admiration bestowed upon them by one whose good opinion all valued more than they confessed. While Rose tried to imitate the good qualities she praised in them, to put away her girlish vanities and fears, to be strong and just and frank and brave, as well as modest, kind, and beautiful. This trial worked so well that when the month was over, Mac and Steve demanded a visit in their turn, and Rose went, feeling that she would like to hear grim Aunt Jane say, as Aunt Clara did at parting, I wish I could keep you all my life, dear. After Mac and Steve had had their turn, Archie and company bore her away for some weeks, and with them she was so happy she felt as if she would like to stay forever, if she could have Uncle Alec also. Of course Aunt Myra could not be neglected, and, with secret despair, Rose went to the mausoleum, as the boys called her gloomy abode. Fortunately she was very near home, and Dr. Alec dropped in so often that her visit was far less dismal than she expected. Between them they actually made Aunt Myra laugh heartily more than once, and Rose did so much good by letting in the sunshine, singing about the silent house, cooking wholesome messes, and amusing the old lady with funny little lectures on physiology, that she forgot to take her pills and gave up Mum's elixir, because she slept so well after the long walks and drives she was beguiled into taking, that she needed no narcotic. So the winter flew rapidly away, and it was May before Rose was fairly settled again at home. They called her the monthly Rose, because she had spent a month with each of the aunts, and left such pleasant memories of bloom and fragrance behind her, that all wanted the family flower back again. Dr. Alec rejoiced greatly over his recovered treasure, but as the time drew near when his year of experiment ended, he had many a secret fear that Rose might like to make her home for the next twelve month with Aunt Jessie or even Aunt Clara, for Charlie's sake. He said nothing, 
but waited with much anxiety for the day when the matter should be decided, and while he waited he did his best to finish as far as possible the task he had begun so well. Rose was very happy now, being out nearly all day enjoying the beautiful awakening of the world, for spring came bright and early, as if anxious to do its part. The old horse-chestnuts budded round her windows, green things sprung up like magic in the garden under her hands, hardy flowers bloomed as fast as they could, the birds sang blithely overhead, and every day a chorus of pleasant voices cried, "'Good morning, cousin. Isn't it jolly weather?' No one remembered the date of the eventful conversation which resulted in the doctor's experiment no one but himself at least so when the ants were invited to tea one saturday they came quite unsuspiciously and were all sitting together having a social chat when brother alec entered with two photographs in his hand do you remember that he said showing one to aunt clara who happened to be nearest yes indeed it is very like her when she came quite her sad unchildlike expression and thin little face with the big dark eyes the picture was passed round and all agreed that it was very like rose a year ago this point being settled the doctor showed the second picture which was received with great approbation and pronounced a charming likeness it certainly was and a striking contrast to the first one for it was a blooming smiling face full of girlish spirit and health with no sign of melancholy, though the soft eyes were thoughtful, and the lines about the lips betrayed a sensitive nature. Dr. Alec set both photographs on the chimney-piece, and, falling back a step or two, surveyed them with infinite satisfaction for several minutes, then wheeled around, saying briefly, as he pointed to the two faces, "'Time is up. How do you think my experiment has succeeded, ladies?' "'Bless me, so it is,' cried Aunt Plenty, dropping a stitch in her surprise. "'Beautifully, dear,' answered Aunt Peace, smiling entire approval. "'She certainly has improved, but appearances are deceitful, and she had no constitution to build upon,' croaked Aunt Myra. "'I am willing to allow that, as far as mere health goes, the experiment is a success,' graciously observed Aunt Jane." unable to forget Rose's kindness to her Mac. So am I, and I'll go farther, for I really do believe Alec has done wonders for the child. She will be a beauty in two or three years, added Aunt Clara, feeling that she could say nothing better than that. I always knew he would succeed, and I'm so glad you all allow it, for he deserves more credit than you know, and more praise than he will ever get, cried Aunt Jessie clapping her hands with an enthusiasm that caused Jamie's little red stocking to wave like a triumphal banner in the air. Dr. Alec made them a splendid bow, looking much gratified, and then said soberly, "'Thank you. Now the question is, shall I go on? For this is only the beginning. None of you know the hindrances I've had, the mistakes I've made, the study I've given the case.' and the anxiety I've often felt. Sister Myra is right in one thing. Rose is a delicate creature, quick to flourish in the sunshine, and as quick to droop without it. She has no special weakness, 
but inherits her mother's sensitive nature, and needs the wisest, tenderest care to keep a very ardent little soul from wearing out a finely organized little body. I think I have found the right treatment, and with you to help me, I believe we may build up a lovely and a noble woman who will be a pride and comfort to us all. There Dr. Alec stopped to get his breath, for he had spoken very earnestly, and his voice got a little husky over the last words. A gentle murmur from the ants seemed to encourage him, and he went on with an engaging smile, for the good man was slyly trying to win all the ladies to vote for him when the time came. Now I don't wish to be selfish or arbitrary, because I am her guardian, and I shall leave Rose free to choose for herself. We all want her, and if she likes to make her home with any of you rather than with me, she shall do so. In fact, I encouraged her visits last winter, that she might see what we can all offer her, and judge where she will be happiest. Is not that the fairest way? Will you agree to abide by her choice, as I do? Yes, we will, said all the ants, quite in a flutter of excitement at the prospect of having Rose for a whole year. Good. She will be here directly, and then we will settle the question for another year. A most important year, mind you, for she has got a good start, and will blossom rapidly now, if all goes well with her. So I beg of you, don't undo my work, but deal very wisely and gently with my little girl, for if any harm come to her, I think it would break my heart. As he spoke, Dr. Alec turned his back abruptly, and affected to be examining the pictures again. But the ants understood how dear the child was to the solitary man who had loved her mother years ago, and who now found his happiness in cherishing the little rose who was so like her. The good ladies nodded and sighed, and telegraphed to one another that none of them would complain if not chosen, or ever try to rob Brother Alec of his heart's delight, as the boys called Rose. Just then a pleasant sound of happy voices came up from the garden, and smiles broke out on all serious faces. Dr. Alec turned at once, saying, as he threw back his head, there she is, now for it. The cousins had been a-maying, and soon came flocking in, laden with the spoils. Here is our bonny Scotch rose, with all her thorns about her, said Dr. Alec, surveying her with unusual pride and tenderness, as she went to show Aunt Peace her basket full of early flowers, fresh leaves, and curious lichens. Leave your clutter in the hall, boys, and sit quietly down if you choose to stop here, for we are busy, said Aunt Plenty, shaking her finger at the turbulent clan, who were bubbling over with the jollity born of spring, sunshine, and healthy exercise. Of course we choose to stay. Wouldn't miss our Saturday high tea for anything, said the chief, as he restored order among his men with a nod, a word, and an occasional shake. What is up, a court-martial? asked Charlie, looking at the assembled ladies with affected awe and real curiosity, for these faces betrayed that some interesting business was afloat. Dr. Alec explained in a few words, which he made as brief and calm as he could, but the effect was exciting nevertheless, for each of the lads began at once to bribe, entice, and wheedle our cousin to choose his home. "'You really ought to come to us for mother's sake, as a relish, you know,' for she must be perfectly satiated with boys, began Archie, 
using the strongest argument he could think of at the moment. "'Ah, yes,' she thought. "'He wants me most. "'I've often longed to give him something that he wished for very much, "'and now I can.' "'So when, at a sudden gesture from Aunt Peace, silence fell, "'Rose said slowly, with a pretty color in her cheeks "'and a beseeching look about the room, "'as if asking pardon of the boys, "'It's very hard to choose when everybody is so fond of me.' "'Therefore I think I'd better go to the one who seems to need me most. "'No, dear, the one you love the best and will be happiest with,' said Dr. Alec quickly, "'as a doleful sniff from Aunt Myra and a murmur of, "'My sainted Caroline,' made Rose pause and look that way. "'Take time, cousin. Don't be in a hurry to make up your mind. "'And remember, Codlin's your friend,' added Charlie, hopeful still." I don't want any time. I know who I love best, who I'm happiest with, and I choose uncle. Will he have me? cried Rose in a tone that produced a sympathetic thrill among the hearers. It was so full of tender confidence and love. If she really had any doubt, the look in Dr. Alec's face banished it without a word as he opened wide his arms, and she ran into them, feeling that home was there. No one spoke for a minute, but there were signs of emotion among the ants, which warned the boys to bestir themselves before the waterworks began to play. So they took hands and began to prance about uncle and niece, singing with sudden inspiration, the nursery rhyme, Ring around Rosie. Of course that put an end to all sentiment, and Rose emerged laughing from Dr. Alec's bosom, with the mark of a waistcoat button nicely imprinted on her left cheek. He saw it and said with a merry kiss that half effaced it, This is my ewe lamb, and I have set my mark on her so no one can steal her away. That tickled the boys, and they set up a shout of, Uncle had a little lamb. But Rose hushed the noise by slipping into the circle and making them dance prettily like lads and lasses round a maypole, while Phoebe, coming in with fresh water for the flowers, began to twitter, chirp, and coo as if all the birds of the air had come to join in the spring revel of the eight cousins. End of chapter 24 End of Eight Cousins by Louisa May Alcott For the sequel, see The Rose in Bloom.